Well, good morning, Forest View. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Nat Evans. I'm the lead pastor here. And I wanted to say Happy New Year, or at least it was a Happy New Year, and then this past week happened. I'm sure for so many of you, whether it was the, the experience of, of moving back into lockdown and hearing that lockdown has been extended in our region, or if it's the, the, uh, the, the challenges and issues that come in trying to learn to teach from home or to be a parent while you have a child or children who are learning from home, whether it is simply just the anxieties and pressures that come on all of us as we navigate this season, or maybe it's the unrest that we see in our world, south of the border from us, the United States, as well as other parts of the world, there is so much going on. I think for many of us, we, we came into 2021 with this excitement, like, oh, this is a new year, fresh start. And then this week happened, and it's kind of like, why did we think that just flipping a page in the calendar was going to change everything? While we as a community have been wrestling with, well, where do we want to be going this year? Our, our mission, our vision is that we want to be a community where people meet Jesus and become more like him. But, but what do we need to be doing right now? What can we be doing to begin to further that mission in our lives? And, and in talking with, with Cole and in talking with our teaching team and our leadership team, one of the things that we've taken away from is going, we want to be throughout this year in the midst of the challenges that we know we are going to continue to face is to be a community that is seeking the presence of God. And so this morning, we are going to begin a new series on practicing God's presence. What does that look like? How do we do that? And my hope and my, my desire with this series is to really get into the nitty-gritty details of how do we practice God's presence in our day-to-day -day life. The term God's presence or practicing God's presence uh, can mean a whole bunch of different things. So I want to talk through just simply the term presence and what we mean when we are talking about practicing God's presence in our context. Uh, there are three different ways that I, I think are helpful to talk about God's presence. Uh, so I've given you kind of three different terms. The first one, when we talk about God's presence, what it means to experience or to uh, encounter God's presence and simply to talk about the metaphysical presence or I call it creator presence presence of God. This is the idea that God who has created and sustains the universe, this God who is omnipresent, that is to the, the smallest, tiniest, inconceivable subatomic particle all the way to the universe as a whole, or maybe multiverse, everything that exists is sustained and held in place by God. He is aware of, he, of it all in its complexity, in its simplicity. He, he is aware of it all. He is present to it all. And in him, all things hold together. The Apostle Paul in his sermon at the Areopagus, and yes, I did say that right on the first time for those of you who've been tracking with us since the summer. Uh, the, it, Paul in his sermons, he talks about God and how we live and move and have our being in him. So there is this type of presence, that, that simply God is present to all of us. If you exist, God is present to you. You are, in a sense, experiencing God's presence. And then there's a second type of presence. Uh, I guess the official term would be eschatological presence or, or final presence. Eschatological is just a fancy way of saying uh, the last things or, or the final things. And so we as Christians, we have this deep-seated belief that God, through Jesus Christ, 
has saved us from our sin, a sin that separated us from knowing and being in relationship with God. And that through the cross and through the resurrection, through, through the gift of the Holy Spirit and through the calling placed on our lives to repent of our sin and respond in faith, we have been given eternal life. And that we have hope that in death, we will be raised up with Christ to new life and to get to experience eternity with him. And so there is this hope throughout the entire Christian narrative pointing us towards this ultimate hope that in God, at the end of all things, in God's new creation, that we will be with him. He will be present to us in a profound, significant way and that we are going to enjoy him forever. So there is metaphysical presence. There is eschatological presence. But then there is the type of presence that we want to focus on today, which is manifest personal presence. Now, let me simply say this first. Eschatological presence, the presence, the hope that we have in life with God beyond this life, in the, in the experience of death and in the resurrection, that hope of life is is, is so great and so good. And, and if that was all God gave us, that would certainly be enough. But the thing is, is that God didn't just simply create us for a life in the far beyond, but also in his grace has extended to us an invitation to know him, to walk with him and experience life with him in the here and now. One theologian puts it this way, you have been given a, an invitation for a free meal at an incredible restaurant. And so you've placed your order and you, have focused, and you have ordered the best thing on the menu, the most expensive thing on the menu, and you are excited and cannot wait to indulge in this meal. But the thing is, is that many of us don't realize that that gift to us of being able to eat in that restaurant is also extended to the appetizer menu. And so we could go and we could be enjoying all these other things which are maybe not as good, but give us a taste of just how great all that is that we are going to be experiencing. For many, Christianity is simply about getting a ticket to heaven. And while in Jesus we have that ticket to heaven and we have hope and joy, and yes, that shapes and drives us, we also can know God today, here, and now. And so our hope in this series as we look at God's manifest presence is to talk about what it means to encounter, to experience, and to practice God's presence now. On occasion, these moments of presence just simply happen to us. They are those moments that we feel just overwhelmed with awe or inspiration or peace or joy. I think of an experience I had looking at a sunset once and just being overwhelmed and just, God, you are amazing. I could look at this forever. Or I think of an experience a friend of mine had while he was at a symphony listening to, uh, to the orchestra play and as the, the music swelled and crescendoed, he was just overwhelmed with this deep sense of God's presence and just the beauty and the power of the music. 
I think of a student who used to be a part of my youth group way back a number of years ago. Uh, he had been a part of my youth group for, for a number of years, and then he went off to summer camp. He went to a Christian camp called Ontario Pioneer Camp. Now, this particular student, he was not a Christian. He had been adopted. He'd been brought into this home, and he is trying to figure out stuff. And I remember his experience up at camp, him coming back and talking to me about it. I asked him, hey, how was camp? And our conversation got to kind of spiritual things. And, and I remember him saying, I've always thought that this whole Jesus, God thing was really, really dumb. And he said, after my experience at camp, I'm not saying I believe it, but I get it. And whether it was through the experience of worshiping, whether it was through the experience of serving together or the experience of being served or just living in community with other Christians, this young man experienced God's presence. And it isn't simply in the great, awesome, overwhelming, euphoric experiences. We can experience God's presence even in the difficult, painful times, in the hospital room. I think of an experience a friend of mine had. His business was going under, and so he was selling off a number of his different stores. And I, I remember him talking about this experience as he was walking through the empty storefront, finally moving the last remaining products that he had out of it. And, and he was feeling overwhelmed with embarrassment and shame. He felt like a failure. He was scared for his future and the future of his family. And I remember him telling me in that particular moment, God's presence suddenly became incredibly tangible to him and he felt this overwhelming peace in the midst of all the uncertainty he was facing. God's presence is not dependent upon our circumstances in our lives. John 17, verses 21 to 23. Jesus prays this for his followers. I want to read it for you now. He's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, knowing that uh, his time, or he's about to encounter the cross and to encounter the, the painful death that comes in, in crucifixion. And this is his prayer. He's praying for his followers, for his disciples, uh, both his disciples in that time, but really for all of us who call ourselves followers, apprentices of Jesus. Here's what he says, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Now, for many of us, we reduce the experience of the presence of God simply to this kind of emotional experience. There's actually been neuroscientists who've done research. They've, they've studied the brain. And as they look at, at different religious people from different religions who are, are praying or in deep states of, of meditation or contemplative prayer and who certain parts of the brain light up. 
And then there are these scientists, they've actually found that there are drugs that they can use to stimulate these parts of the brain. And for many of us, we simply reduce, we have simply reduced this experience of God, whether we are non-believers who just simply think it's all just some neurological phenomena, or, or for those of us who we simply think that it is, well, this is the only way that we can experience God's presence. It is in those euphoric moments. It's in those senses where it's just this overwhelming sense of, uh, of just connectedness or, or, or just everything just is in the right place. And yet, Jesus, he prays this in the garden, facing the cross, and his prayer is one of his unity with his father, father, and the unity that he has invited us into. The relationship he shares with his father is in a relationship that we are invited into, and we get to share and participate in too. For Christians experiencing the presence of God. This is not just simply about experiencing certain stimulations in our brain or a certain feeling. This is about more than that. This is about experiencing unity, intimacy, and shared mission. Notice in John 17, Jesus first points out the relationship that he shares with his father, that he shares and invites us into as we have surrendered our lives to Jesus. There's unity, there's an intimacy, there's a aligning of loves and desires. There's this unity to that. And out of that flows a shared mission. There's a shared desire and a shared mission. Uh, recently, we all celebrated Christmas. I know many people take part in the tradition of giving gifts. And I'm sure many of us have had this experience, whether it's with kids or a family member, maybe it's a spouse or, or a close, close friend, and you've gotten them a gift. And at the start, you asked, you know, months ago, you asked them, is there anything you want for Christmas? And their response was, no, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm happy with just about anything. And so Christmas ro morning rolls around and they are opening up the present and you see this look of disappointment, disappointment come across their face and you immediately go, what, what, what is it? What's wrong? And, so, and the response is, it's not what I wanted. To which you go, wait, you said you didn't want anything. And then you immediately go to think back to all the different conversations, just the conveniently slipping, oh, wouldn't it be great if we had one of these or if I was to wear one of these? Or you notice that every time you opened up the computer or turned on the computer or opened up the laptop, you realize that there was a certain browser page with a certain item and it just happened to continuously be there. You, didn't, you weren't aware of the shared desires. For, for us as people who want to practice Christian, uh, to practice the presence of God, it is not just simply about a feeling or even some sort of mental state. It is about us having our shared desire or sharing desires with Christ, that the desires of God would be made manifest in our lives. And that as we experience that union, it, that in syncness with the heart of God, it would move us out into the world I love the way that Jesus says this. May they also be in us so that the world may believe. Practicing God's presence is never simply just an individual experience, but it is always something that is meant to move us out into God's mission in the world. 
Well, I realize that for many of us, it's like, yes, that sounds great. I would love to be more present to God and to experience his presence more in my life. That sounds great. It sounds really good. Um, But uh, can I tell you about my past week? Can I tell you about trying to get my kids set up on Google Classroom so they could be doing school online? Can I tell you how I've had to, to totally rethink our investments because we're not sure how we're going to make ends meet right now? Have you seen my household? Life is crazy. I don't have time to just go and be contemplative and to just think about God and to focus on the divine. I recently came across this video uh, and uh, it's a woman, I think she uh, leads a, a, a meditation class. This is what she does for a living. And obviously COVID-19 quarantine has made that difficult. And well, I just, I just resonated with this. I wanted to share it with you. Meditation is great for bringing about a sense of relaxation, well-being, and calm. So starting just quickly by breathing in. And breathing out. And it's really challenging, I know, with children home from school and working from home, but just trying to just keep all of those distractions out of the way. (laughs) Practicing God's presence would be great, but I can't get a moment to myself. My phone is constantly busy. There, there's so much that I need to do. Or, or just life is so overwhelming right now. How am I supposed to focus on God when I feel so scattered? I can't focus on anything. Uh, the great Christian theologian Meister Eckhart says this, spirituality is not to be learned by flight from the world, by running away from things, or by turning solitary and going apart from the world. Rather, we must learn an inner solitude, whoever or with whomever we may be. We must learn to penetrate things and find God there. The amazing thing about God's presence is not something that has to wait until we get all of the conditions just right. Rather, it is a gift from God, not something that we can earn or conjure, but something that God graciously gives to us. And it is not simply meant for the retreat center or going off into the woods or finding time away, although that time is important, but God's presence can be experienced here and now in the midst of the ordinary, the boring, the overwhelming, and the chaotic. There is a figure from Christian history referred to as Brother Lawrence. He lived in the 1600s. He was, um, his actual original name was uh, Nicholas Herman, and he was a soldier. He got badly injured in the war. He had to stop fighting, and so he went, and he ended up actually ultimately joining a monastery. And, and listening to him, he then became known as Brother Lawrence upon joining the monastery. And one of the things that's interesting about his story is that he had no real significant theological training. In fact, it sounds like he wasn't all that bright when it came to schoolwork. In fact, actually, he refers to himself at one point as just being useless in general. Uh, it sounds like he had the spiritual gift of breaking things. And so what the monastery ultimately ended up doing was, is they said, well, you can go and we will have you work 
in the kitchen, not oversee the kitchen, just work in the kitchen. We'll have you there. You can peel potatoes and wash the pots and pans and, and clean and help with the meal prep. And yet Brother Lawrence's legacy that he leaves behind to the Christian church is not one of, of incredible theological, profound insights into doctrine, but rather a life lived constantly practicing God's presence, even in the boring, mundane processes of the monastery kitchen. He writes this in his book, Practicing the Presence of God, which is a great book. I highly recommend everyone read if wanting to learn more about God's presence, living in God's presence. He writes this, the time of business does not, uh, does not with me differ from the time of prayer and in the noise and clatter of my kitchen. While several persons are at the same time calling for different things, I possess God in as great tranquility as if I were upon my knees at the blessed sacrament. There's actually writings where he talks about just as he's peeling a potato and holding it in his hands, his thoughts are directed towards God. As he's washing dishes, as he feels the water on his hands, he is directing his mind towards praise and thankfulness towards God. Uh, later on, actually, he writes this in his book. He says this, and I make it my business only to persevere in his holy presence, wherein I keep myself by a simple attention and a general fond regard to God, which I may call an actual presence of God. So he is saying that in his life, in his day-to-day -day life, he is so focused on constantly being in communion, in union, in sync with God's heart. That, that he experiences what he describes as actual presence of God, or to speak, continuing his quote, an habitual, silent, and secret conversation of the soul with God, which often causes me joys and raptures inwardly, and sometimes also outwardly, so great that I am forced to use means to moderate them and prevent their appearance to others. He is getting so caught up in God's presence that he actually realizes he kind of needs to hide it because it's making him more useless. It's holding him back from actually doing all the different things that he needs to do. He, he feels like there's ways he needs to hide it. I mean, the, the other thing that you can think walking away from this is just going, I want whatever he's got. And I love his line at the start. He says, I make it my business. For him, Seeking the presence of God was his first and foremost priority. If you want to experience God's presence, it begins with seeking him. Psalm 105 verse four says this, seek the Lord and his strength, seek his presence continually. The word continually is, is like at all times, constantly, continuously. When we seek God's presence, we are fixing our minds on God. It means that we are simply just going, God, I want to speak to you and I want to hear from you. I want to reflect on who you are. 
Now, two things that I want to draw your attention to that I think are significantly important if we are to experience the presence of God. They're not, not rules. It's not a formula. It's ultimately God's presence is a gift from God. It flows out of our relationship with God or the relationship that God longs to have with each and every one of us. So there's not like some formula. There's not some superstition. This is, flows out of relationship. But number one, turn your attention to God. When you think about the various different things that you are giving your mind to, how often are you thinking about God? Number two, commit yourself to it. I mean, the idea of practicing God's presence in our daily life I sometimes can feel hard, overwhelming, difficult, and maybe you've even tried it. You, you've attempted to do it and it's just like, ah, it didn't work. It didn't feel right. But I, I, and I just, it didn't work out for me. Uh, Dallas Willard, uh, brilliant theologian, philosopher, writer on spiritual formation. He, he compares it to wanting to play the piano. My wife is a piano player. She has all these adult uh, adults come who want to study piano with her and often they will come and they will bring, I want to learn this piece and it will be some sonata or, or whatever. It'll be something beautiful, this beautiful piece of music that they've heard and like, I would love to be able to play this. And for many, they start the lessons but you can't start playing Beethoven or you can't start playing these pieces. You need to, to learn some basics. You need to work on it to get to that point. And so many will just get frustrated and give up. I think for many of us, we approach seeking God's presence in the same way. We expect to be able to play the sonata when we haven't even tried or we haven't started. And so the invitation, actually, Brother Lawrence, uh, who I quoted from earlier on, it took him 10 years of just practicing God's presence, just being attentive to it, uh, to making his focus on God. And when he felt himself getting distracted, just bringing himself back to it. Finally, I want to leave you with this question because I think this is a powerful reflection of what we are giving our intention to. Uh, again, to quote from Dallas Willard, he talks about, often we ask the question, how's your spiritual life? And usually what that means for those of us who are in the evangelical world or have been raised in the evangelical world, uh, simply means, how's your quiet time with God going, your prayer and reading your Bible? And Dallas Willard says that it's really important to read your Bible and to spend time in prayer, to spend time connecting with God. But, but he pushes, he says, maybe we should be asking the question, what's bothering you? What's consuming your attention? What conversations are you replaying in your mind? Or, or what scenarios or conversations are you role-playing and, and acting out in your mind, predicting for the future? What are the fears that you find yourself giving into and that are spiraling out of control? What are the difficult situations that you are facing that are gaining all of your attention? What are the things that you are trying to mute out? through distraction. What's bothering you? And the amazing thing is that God's presence is not conditioned on everything being removed, making conditions perfect, and then we can experience God's presence. Rather, it is in the midst of the challenges, in the midst of the shame and the guilt, in the midst of the fear, inviting God in and placing it in God's hands and listening to what God is saying to you. 
that, that you might experience the unity and the shared desires, the intimacy, and ultimately even to be spurred on in mission. I want to just conclude with this point. Seeking God, fixing our mind on God, it always leads to us seeing God. It gives to us a greater awareness of God's presence in our lives. And so my invitation to you is that as we begin this new year together, that individually and corporately, that we would seek God's presence and that we would each, maybe it's once a day, maybe it's multiple times a day, maybe it's moving ultimately to the point like Brother Lawrence, we, we are, and, and like David's prayer, to continuously be seeking God's presence in all that we are experiencing, the good and the difficult. Because God is with us. God is present to you. Will you be present to him?